The following program is a part of the Movie Morgue Network. I've already been dead for such a very, very long time. But I've come back to bring you news of the most gruesome twosome ever produced. Film Podcast. This is a spoiler podcast. And now, your hosts, Tim S. Turner and Kelly Hogaboo. Welcome to the eighth episode of Beauty the Beast and the Bees. It's time to welcome in the new year with three exciting titles. First up, we do the old serial killer teenage girl switcheroo with Vince Vaughn and Freaky. Take on space pirates and giant blobby white poop men in Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. And finally, there's body parts and chainsaws aplenty as we slice into the drive-in classic pieces. But before we get to all that, please help me welcome back to the microphone my co-host and the founder of the B-Movie BFF's website, Kelly Hogaboo. Hello, Tim. Good afternoon. Hello. So, <clears throat> uh, any chance that... Uh, You've uh, been watching anything interesting in the time since we've last spoken? No, actually, uh, I've been working a lot and watching less. But um, I am going. I, I am watching a few things that are relevant to this podcast. Uh, I want to briefly mention The Expanse, which is a um, sci-fi show. I know you're not a sci-fi guy, but maybe one of our four listeners is. Um, because I would like to connect with someone about the show. It's, I think it was sci-fi for a few seasons, and now it's um, Prime. And it's actually pretty cool. It's, like, it's, like a, it's kind of like Firefly, but without being as campy and with being way more complex politically. And it's, it definitely takes itself very seriously, um, kind of to the point that I'm laughing. Cause, and it will straight up kill off a main character, so nobody give me some spoilers on this because I'm in season one. But I have enjoyed The Expanse. And so, um, again, I know you're not a sci-fi guy, and I don't think you would like it. Um, but I also am going through all the Mad Max films with my oldest child, and that is an absolute delight to watch uh, classic horror. or um, We watch mostly horror together. We do watch some silly B-movies, but uh, I was trying to think of this genre. I don't even know what genre you would put Mad Max in. Uh, that's... I would call that like sci-fi action. It's a post-apocalyptic, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so much, so much of the '80s sci-fi was centered around that because it was cheap to make. 
<laughs> yes. And, <clears throat> you know, the first Mad Max, which I could like, I will not dominate this podcast by going on and on about it because it's one of my favorite <laughs> films. It's a pre-apocalyptic. Um, it's like right at the moment before society or right as society's crumbling. And then by the second one, of course, you've got all the S&M like leather, like freaking. Yes. Yeah. So, so we've just finished the second one. And I just have to say watching it with my child is so rewarding. It's like your best, best, best friend. You have so many shared values and they're, you're discovering these things together. So, um, Mad Max has been great. And, um, I also have been watching, um, this really, no, I'm not even going to share. It's too embarrassing. I'm watching, a, um, but oh, one more thing I'll share is The Watchmen, um, mm, the, yes. the actual HBO show, which I had been avoiding because the reviews weren't great. And then I realized it was basically review bombed by a bunch of like white men who were upset. <laughs> like, so yeah, I heard yeah, that. Yeah. So I, once I saw how many, like how many reviews were that, I was like, oh, well maybe I want to watch it. So I feel like I'm like four episodes in and I love it so much, but I will say it is not relaxing viewing. It's really intense. It's got, you know, horrific racial violence. Like it's not like, you know that I watch stuff at night. Right. And I can't really yeah. watch Watchmen at night. Cause I'm just like, Wah. so I'm, I'm trying to watch it when I can during the day. It's just, it's just too much. Is it on um, the level of like uh, Lovecraft uh, Country? Yeah, it's very similar. It reminds me of that. Um, I like it more than Lovecraft Country because Lovecraft Country was so all over the map for me. You know, one minute we're doing this, the next minute we're doing that. And Watchmen is a bit more of a cohesive story. Um, ah, okay. But it reminds me, it's got a similar ambition, you know, amazing special effects, amazing acting. Um, and frankly, like I'm re I am ready for you know, uh, racial politics to be handled in a complex sci-fi way. Like, I'm ready for that. So um, I've, I've been loving it. It's just too intense for me to just, like, grab it up. Oh, and last thing, WandaVision. We are on about episode four of WandaVision. Yes. Have you been watching that one? Uh, I have, uh, since I don't have Disney+, Plus, I've had to watch it at my girlfriend's house. So I, I'm all, I've only seen the first two, but I believe uh, in a couple of days we're going to catch up with, the nice. three in a row um and the thing is funny is I've, I've really enjoyed my friends being you know posting on facebook like i don't get it i don't know what's going on i'm just sitting there like, mm -hmm. <laughs> i do right. <laughs> but uh yeah i i think they've done a wonderful job with that show uh from what i've seen so far people seem to love it i'm only yeah like we only finished episode three or four and obviously you know, this is a good one not to spoil for your friends because right. I'm I'm like your buddies. I'm in total ignorance. Like I did recognize a person or two. I'm like, oh, that's so and so's you know daughter or whatever. But um, I yeah, I don't. I'm a little further than you, so I don't want to say anything. But I will say yes. I love the first two episodes. I love that they really kind of took their time. The actual TV show that they are, the formula was enjoyable enough. Like, it was so cute. And you know I love Paul Bettany. So, yeah. I've, oh, yeah. I've been loving WandaVision. And it's going in a direction I'm not liking as much in episode four. But that's okay. I'm committed to sticking it out. And it's a <laughs> rare show that Ralph is actually watching with me. So, yay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. he, he hasn't abandoned you yet. Exactly. That's I'm like, I'm look, <laughs> like he did with Swamp Thing. Like, he hasn't yeah. abandoned I have not even finished Swamp. Did you ever? Did you ever get into Swamp Thing? The I did. I, I bought the whole series 
uh, on Blu-ray, and I'm about halfway through it. Uh, I heard there were rumblings that, that uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the, um, the CW was thinking of picking it up, which, of course, would mean the budget's going to have to go down, right. which is a shame because they, it looks great. I know. And a lot of practical effects and gore and stuff that they might not be able to pull off. Um, yeah, it was such a... <laughs> on CW. Yeah, it was such a um, soap opera, but with this, like, great budget, right? <laughs> and and all those... Mm-hmm. I was freaking loving it, Tim. And then Ralph's like, I'm bored. He did, he did that to me with Star Trek Discovery, <laughs> which is also, I think, an exemplary show. And he's like, eh. So, I don't know. We don't... Yeah. <laughs> Does he appreciate your impressions? Of him? Does he appreciate my what? <clears throat> Does he appreciate your impression of him? <laughs> he's not. He's not listening. He can't hear this. But I know. And he, and he just bailed us. He just bailed us out from our tech trouble. So I should be more respectful. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's you know when you have a family, you have to you have to consider like just like with a girlfriend, you can't just watch something they don't want to watch. You know, it's not cool. So. So with Phoenix, I get to do all this, all any horror I want to do. He's on board with me, and Nels will probably watch one movie with me a year. And with Ralph, I don't even know the formula. We've only been together twenty four years, and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get it eventually. So what have you been watching? Um, well, you know, surprisingly, not a lot of, uh, not a lot of horror like I usually do. I mean, not that I haven't. I mean, I I, I have I. I, I've been getting these sets uh, that have been coming out uh, called Forgotten Jolly, and uh, so I know uh, which I, I I'm ready to get to you, uh, for you uh, for presents because I know you would best love them. Forgotten Jolly is what I'm going to call it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's so funny when you watch them. It it it, it it's just it it really is. Uh, it's such a stylish and tacky genre at the same is. time, and I mean it's just. It just seems like when you watch them, there's so many of them that just you think because like we we watched Strip Nude for Your Killer for the, right. the podcast, and you know I, I think we agreed at the time that it might have the the most represent reprehensible lead character ever, um, <laughs> or at least in that ballpark. Yeah. Um, every one of these has some douchey yeah. guy that just treats women like utter yeah, garbage, and that's the hero, and yet he's <laughs> yeah, he's the hero. <laughs> You know, and like, oh yeah, sorry I hit you, but I'm trying to solve this murder. Right. You know, it's just like, oh god. Um, so mostly, what I've been watching actually is um, uh, my friend got me into uh, the IT crowd. Mm-hmm. Yes, that fits you. Which yeah. oh god, I love I love that show so much. Uh, it, it's it just it takes a lot for a, a show to make me laugh. I don't. There's not a lot of comedies I'm really into, and so that one really got me. And then. Because I really liked Mark Barry on there, uh, he he has another show called Toast <laughs> yes, of London. Yes, I've seen that. Yes. I love that show too. I, he's got you can actually hear him on commercials for Advil because he's got this mellifluous yes. voice, and he knows how to use it really well. And the show, much more than the IT crowd, Toast of London is very absurd. Yes, absurdist, and it's. Present everyone. Everyone on the show has weird names, you know, like, like, like Clem Fandango and Ray Purchase are great names, but there's other ones on there that are just really odd. Um, and, uh, and the other thing I think I well, yeah, I watched uh, two documentary series. The first one that was on the Yorkshire Ripper, okay. 
that was called the Ripper, and then the other one was the one they they had recently, that was on um, <clears throat> Richard Ramirez, both on Netflix, and really well done, I thought. Um, and uh, you know, so I know it's perfectly normal and not creepy at all to be watching. Hey, you, no judgment here. I I have to say I, <laughs> that we did just watch Copycat. Phoenix and I watched that a couple. I know I love you love Copycat. I, lo- I know you love Holly Hunter. Um, yes. Phoenix didn't quite have the level, so he's eighteen, you know. So he didn't have the level of appreciation yeah. for Harry Connick Jr. that I did, because you remember when he, that came out, we had only <laughs> yeah. seen him as this crooner. Um, I mean, Hope yeah, 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 yeah. Romantic. Like, if anything, he's kind of. A, I think he was in some film where it was fighter pilots, and he was some hunk in that. Yes, yeah. So to see him right, playing yeah. this redneck, creepy, and he only had a couple scenes, but damn, he was great. And you know that film. Yeah, with the gross. Yeah, teeth. with the messed up teeth and the spotty complexion, and that film's pretty cool. And um, you yeah. know that would be a good one for us to review sometime. Uh, Actually, I'd agree yeah. with that because uh, it, it's. Um, it's one of those movies. I remember when I saw it when it came out, and I loved it, and I bought it on video as soon as it came out, and yet you never hear anybody yeah. talk about it. Everybody, everybody always talks about Seven or uh, Silence of the Lambs, you know, but you never really hear a lot of people mention Copycat, and I don't know why because it's it's a great, um, exciting it movie, is. and you know you've got two uh, really good female leads, and um, and of course, I, um, I, know, I love it. Uh, is it Dermot Mulroney? Who I mean, I could watch him thumb yeah. through a paint catalog like he's a hunk, and you know it was very <laughs> um, exciting at the time when it came out. I saw it in the theater. It was sexy. It was fun. It was. It had a mm-hmm. bit of humor. It was scary. Now, by today's lens, it's not quite that juicy of a film because we've seen so much of that kind of stuff. But um, it right. is good. It's not quite Silence of the Lambs level, and they really the killer the killer is not well rendered. <laughs> like you're just like, oh, he's just some dude. <laughs> but um, and also on the Matt Berry, uh, you know, he of course is also in What We Do in the Shadows. I'm sure you and, yeah. Right. And I cannot remember if you've seen Garth Marenghi's Dark Place or not. I okay. have, yeah, I know he's he's from that too. Yes. So is um, Richard Richard Yeah, Iodis, yeah he's um, dark. Dark place is a favorite. My husband quotes it all the time. The other day we made wonton soup, and Ralph was like, "I, I better get this done, or my ass is grass and wontons a lawnmower." And he does that accent, which I can't do. <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah, lawnmower. yeah. So you know, <laughs> like I I do like Matt Berry. I don't. I think he gets a little gross out in, in ways that I don't appreciate, but. Um, yeah, he's he's quite like the first I first saw him in Dark Place and I couldn't even believe he was a real person. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, so, yeah, very funny guy. Of course, he's in the Mighty Boosh. He plays a hilarious. Uh, yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm a Matt Berry fan for sure. And he I think he yeah, records he, music. I mean, I think he actually has a album or two out. It wouldn't surprise me because he does musical numbers yes, in Toast yes, of London. Yeah, he clearly likes to sing and what a showboat, right? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I also. <laughs> well, it's. Oh, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna. Well, it, it's interesting when you watch uh, IT crowd, and he his character isn't introduced till mm-hmm. season two, and wow, it's almost like his character was so overpowering it almost took over the yeah, show. I agree. I think yeah. Which I mean, I loved his character. <laughs> I loved Douglas. I thought Douglas was just, like the the worst pig on television. He was just terrible, uh, but that's why he was funny. Um, but it, he was. It, it, I think that's kind of, you know, why when he does Toast of London, he's got a new show called um, The White Rabbit, I believe, and it, it's 
I think it's better that he's more the it, it, with it has his own show where he's the primary focus because he is such a big personality. Yeah. You yep. know, especially the the other characters in IT are a bit. They're more, compared to him. They are more understated. The comedy is. Yeah, I know he's a he's one of those guys that probably takes up the whole room when he's. But um, yeah, yeah, I do. I find some of his like that. Like you say, he's a pig and. I honestly, it's like, yeah, I, I get tired of that because it's been done so many times, but very funny. And I do like, you know, I like the surreal. That's why I like Dark Place so much. I mean, to this yeah. day, I'm like, this show is brilliant. It is brilliant. It's so, it's just such a perfect meld of comedy, horror, great, terrible special effects, um, mock-up of, you know, that kind of soap, hospital supernatural soap opera. I mean, shit, it's just such a great show. There's only like six <laughs> episodes, I think, in the whole series or something like that. Oh, and I watched Born to Kill. Oh. I think you knew that from 1947. Yes, yes. yes. Lawrence yes. Tierney, yeah. Which, okay, I, like, I'm not, we, we barely keep this podcast afloat, but honestly, Tim, <laughs> it'd be so fun to do noir with you because you, you love it. I love it. Um, well, we could always bring that in. We could sneak into, a noir uh, in, know. yeah. But what a yeah, 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 yeah. I love what noir. a cool like. I did enjoy that one, um, but I think I said in my review on my website, I I'm kind of a sucker <coughs> for the noir formula. So even if it's not a very good one, I still like it. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Did you see uh, his uh, version of Dillinger? No. That's okay. really good. Yeah, 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 and also. He's not in this, but it's it's a it's a favorite of mine, and it's not even an hour long. It's like fifty nine minutes is uh, the the narrow margin. Okay. Yeah. This is what I mean. Like that, we could really definitely, if we if we ever I don't know, like because you've got way more experience with noir. I had to laugh though in Born to Kill. I swear to God, they had at least ten lines where someone talked about how attractive this guy was to women. They kept saying it. Everyone oh, yeah. kept saying it. And I was like, do you guys think that's Kirk Douglas? Because it's not. <laughs> like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, if you say it enough times, you'll yeah, believe I, it. Exactly. Because I'm like, okay, he's not, I'm like, he's not <laughs> ugly, but he has no lips. And he's like, I, I was like, no, I don't think women, I don't know. But they were very much needing us to believe that. So, okay. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just that he was like, like the, you know, appealing to women who like the bad boy. He was thing, a little past bad boy. He looks angry he all the time. He was a maniac. He was just. Yeah. I, was, I said I was watching it and I had some of my movie guy friends there said, he's a psycho in that. And I was like, yeah, he really yeah. is. He was just like straight up. They're like, he, he, yeah, he was pretty 2D character, but it was, it was fun. And the fashion in it was fantastic, of course. I loved the fashion. So. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll check out Dillinger. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, uh, let's move on to our main film. Ah, uh, uh, yes, the idle rich. They live differently than you and I. Enormous mansions, swimming pools, platinum cards, servants, and, of course, magical sacrificial daggers. Who would have guessed that the Blissfield Butcher would try to kill mousy heroine Millie with said dagger only to switch bodies? From then on, it's a race against time as Millie and her friends have to reverse the ritual or risk the butcher owning Millie's body forever. It's blood, pom-poms, and table saws from start to finish, and boy, is it freaky. That's me, Millie. My life was pretty normal until the night I switched bodies with a serial killer. Hello? Oh, my God, why do I sound like that? Freaky, right? <laughs> 
Really? It's me, it's Millie. Here, here, Blissfield, hi. Feel our glory and our might. Oh my God! He's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yes, I'm some kind of freak, cause they all... Who knows how many of our friends he's gonna kill? Oh my God, it's a slaughterhouse. I don't want my body back. Come and get it. You're black, I'm gay, we are so dead! Whoa, what am I wearing? Oh, oh my god, it's supposed to be a butcher! If you get recognized, we are screwed. I can't see shit. How do killers do this? Oh, sorry. Oh, that's your face. Okay. I'm just a girl. I can't wait to kill you. I'm just a girl. Time to stab this asshole. murder barbie so i saw uh, you you did a post that you really enjoyed this right i've been wanting to talk about it but i wanted to surprise you because i know you watch me on you're watching me on twitter and facebook (laughs) and i was like i watched the movie (laughs) i watched the movie and i was like okay there's some flaws with this and like it took because i didn't watch a trailer which it's good that I don't watch trailers, but I will tell you, for my first 30 minutes of this film, I was confused. I didn't know what tone they were striking. I I didn't. I actually right. didn't know it was about a body swap. That's how little I knew. Um, but <laughs> at the end of this, I actually loved this film so much. And the more I thought about it, and then I listened to a, a much better podcast than ours talking about it. So <laughs> like, everybody listening, please please finish listening to Tim and I, but then check out the, the Dead Meat podcast um, on Freaky. But uh, I will tell you, Tim, I love this. It's the most fun I've had in a new horror movie, probably since The Lighthouse. And I'm going to watch it again with my kid because I think he will love it too. And I totally just ended up adoring this film. Yeah, you know, um, it's from the the same people that brought us Happy Death Day. Mm -hmm. And that was a big hit. And I really enjoyed that. I own it. Um, But I got to say, I I liked this a lot better. Yeah, when when Um, I... Realized that was the director, that was the team. I was like, that's why Tim picked this film. And I'm like, I bet also because Tim probably loves Vince Vaughn. So I felt like those were probably your two motivations for picking it. Well, I'm not the biggest Vince Vaughn fan. I mean, I, I, there, I, think, I think he's one of those actors, when he's given the right script, he's mm. great. And when he's not, he's just kind of eh. But um, in this film, I really liked the fact because I've seen this, we've seen body swap films before, especially, you know, like uh, there's been ones like, um, what was that one called? The cute girl or the, the, hot the one chick. with um, <clears throat> the hot chick. Yeah. And where you've got to switch a guy and, 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 and a, a man and a woman. And the guy inevitably does the really uh, overly effeminate mannerisms. Right, right when the woman's in the guy's body. He really doesn't do a lot of that. I was bracing which myself is great. for that. So I want to yeah. first say that I want to talk about the flaws because I I could go, I could talk about this film with you for like two hours. I liked it so much. But I just want to <laughs> briefly mention a couple flaws. One is the whole premise is that Millie, ha- Millie has sort of a troubled family life, a loving family, but a troubled family. She's got a couple good friends but she's the t- she's the targeted bullied kid at her school. She's bullied by right. all the boys and she's bullied by even a teacher. And the casting did not work for that. You you know they ha- they cast a great <laughs> actress, 
But I'm sitting there going, wait, she's supposed to be this this girl that everyone's making fun of for being ugly. That's not the right casting yes. there. I mean, if you can hire, if you can hire an ugly Vince Vaughn, like because Vince Vaughn's, you know, he's a little older than me, looks a little beat up. You can put him in the lead role. Could we get a more plain looking? Like she, you know, she's blonde, blue eyed. Like it's not working for me. So that casting was a her. She did a great job, but it was a misfire. Yes, and. I agree yeah. with that though because I saw that and I remember all they did they, the only thing they didn't do was put glasses yeah. on her, um, you know because what I was expecting was she was going to have glasses and then she they'd switch bodies and they'd, she'd take the glasses off and you know like shake her hair and all of a sudden she's hot yeah yeah it was very much <laughs> you know, that uh, way and yeah but yeah I, I was it, it was it was kind of funny because it's like they you know they want that transformation. You know, because like she comes in later in the leather jacket with the ponytail, her hair back in a ponytail, you know, lo- looking good and everything. And and they they I think what what it is is they don't want to have to work too hard to get to that point. Yeah, no, they they didn't. Yeah, you know, because she's a beautiful beautiful girl, and they make, they make it like she's like this, you know, butt face, yeah. you know, little. Uh, you know, mouse that, uh, you know, hides fr- behind her hair and nobody likes her except her two outcast friends. Yeah. No. <laughs> you know, it makes it no sense. It didn't work. And, and unfortunately, it took me a while to even figure out that's what, because I was like, what? Because there's a scene where she's, she's quite, quite hilariously, she's the mascot, which is a big beaver costume. And they have a couple cute little beaver jokes. It's great. And the, the men, sure. some of the frat boys say, you're the only beaver no one would touch. And I'm like, what? Like, what are you, like, you know, it was just the wrong. <laughs> so I agree that it was because it was rushed because they wanted to get to the main meat and potatoes of the film. I agree with you there. And that sure. leads me to the second flaw. So if, if, because once Vince Vaughn plays her, once, you know, once Vince Vaughn, the actor is running around um, playing Millie, he did great. I have literally yeah. zero complaints and it, I'm actually more impressed with him as an actor because of this film. Because I wasn't that impressed with him before. <clears throat> but um, sh- the resultant is not true. They don't render a serial killer with any personality. And the idea that she'd wake up, the serial killer wakes up in this um, high school girl's body. And this is a guy who yeah. lives in some, what does he live in? Some kind of old mill with animal carcasses hanging up in it. But Oh yeah, really bizarre right. crap. But then he can get you. up and get dressed sexy and wear and put makeup on. I'm like, no, like that, like <laughs> that didn't work at all. It was a huge impediment because it's like, well, why didn't they give her an actual serial killer's personality? Someone who is almost barely socially functional, right? So, so, but getting past that, um, I have no complaints. And it was such a fun film, and there was so many funny, like I was. <laughs> I was trying to explain the scene where Millie is trying to corner her two friends and she's in Vince Vaughn's body and she's chasing them kind of through this school cafeteria. And that scene was so funny because it took her so long to subdue her friends because they're, they're throwing and it was so well done because it would take them. It wouldn't be like a quick thing at all. You you would would have, he has to be, Millie using Vince Vaughn's body has to beat the shit out of her two friends and she feels terrible yeah. about it, but she has to do it. It was so fucking funny. I was rolling. It was so good. Yeah, they had to do it. And the thing was, was at, when it, 
they get to the point where you can actually talk to them. It's like, even though they're terrified thinking it's the serial killer or whatever, they're like too That's tired like... from just like beating, Millie's beating like, up everybody's getting tired. Beat up and... like, so... um, okay, here's a question I have for you. At no point in the film do they ever say that the, the Blissfield Butcher was ever captured. <clears throat> okay. Okay. So how is it they all know what his face looks like if he wears a mask all the time? Yeah, I don't – I that was – because there's a wanted poster. That pretty much right after the body swap when Millie's out in the world as Vince Vaughn, uh, yeah. that's her problem because suddenly people know what the Butchfield or the Blissfield Butcher looks like. I don't know. I can't answer that. I'm sure there is one, but I kind of wasn't – I wasn't invested yeah, in the film. Yeah, because they don't know his yeah, name. Yeah, that's right. They don't. Yeah, there were no survivors from the. And by the way, great '90s horror homage um, opening. That was really yes. well done. Um, really great gore. Oh my gosh! It, I mean, if anything, the film could have had a tiny bit more gore, but the gore that it has is quality. That's so good. There, honestly, I was actually surprised because I forgot that this yeah, created yeah. R, whereas Happy Death right, Day was right. PG thirteen, yeah. and so all of a sudden, when you had the table yeah, saw yeah. thing, I was like, "Whoa, well, the, <laughs> that's the first, awesome!" The first murder involves a, a glass bottle, and bottle. boy, that that yeah. set you up. That was brutal, and um, yeah. But the man, the shop teacher's stuff was so great because he's just this misogynist ass who's picking on the girls in class and. I loved the scene where Millie, or sorry, the, um, it's really hard to know how to talk about the characters, but the <laughs> Millie, the butcher is in Millie's body and has a confrontation with the shop teacher. So the shop teacher thinks it's Millie and he, um, he enjoys the chance to beat this young girl up and he's yelling self-defense, self-defense the whole time. And I, I love yeah. that scene because not only was he a prick and you knew he was going to get murdered in a delightfully satisfying, <laughs> yeah. but also it was, it was funny because of course it was self-defense because Millie was trying to kill him Millie, or the butcher. I don't know. There were so many layers yeah. of nuance in, in some of that body swap. It was way more uh, nuanced than I thought it would be once I, once I realized I was watching a body swap film. <laughs> I loved it. Well, that was that was one of the cool things with it was when Millie, when the butcher is first in Millie's body. There's several moments, including this the scene with the shop teacher, where she's like, like you know, damn it, this body's really weak <laughs> in comparison to like my right. hul you know hulking figure. You know, so I, I thought it was kind of interesting that they they played with that a little bit because you know usually it would have been like, oh no, she's super yeah, fast no, and super that was cool. cool. And, and then, but yet the butcher realizes you know, there are advantages because. When the cops show yeah. up at the school, they run right past her and say, excuse me, ma'am, or something. And you see, and again. That, yeah, she's like, oh, it's yeah, the yeah. butcher. Like she, like she realizes she can do what she, or he realizes he can do what he wants because uh, he's invisible in that way. And and what a commentary yeah. on like white female fragility and like, you know, uh, that that's like a whole, like I said, I could talk about this film for a long time, but like that sort of. I'm the victim that the white women can so easily lapse into. And so, um, and, but I have to say some of fuck, Vince Vaughn and I, I feel sad they didn't give more comedy to the actress. Um, is it Catherine Newton? I actually don't know her name. Yeah. Catherine was, Newton. Yeah. Mm -hmm. she, I saw her in an HBO show, a uh, big little lies or whatever it is. She's great in that, but, um, Oh yeah. Uh, they didn't give her enough comedy. Um, and that's too bad, but they gave him plenty 
and his mannerisms um, at times they did border on almost like lampooning femininity at, at a couple of moments but like just an early scene where she's hiding in the bushes and she wa- tries to walk out and a branch hits her in the face because she's six foot five now instead of five foot four yeah. and she says yeah. Jesus I'm huge or <laughs> like gosh darn it was so funny and of course the the kiss the kiss scene was fucking great like that was oh, so good. Like I thought they were gonna play it for like a buffoony moment, and it was actually so sweet. And I just that yeah, this film yeah. won my heart for sure. It, honestly, I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, I, I I really liked it, and I don't want a sequel because to me this is kind of like a one and done plot. But on the other hand, I really liked the characters if, <laughs> and uh, this. You know, I I, I thought. I really liked seeing Vince Vaughn pull the, that role off. Yeah, me too. I agree. Without it being, you know, like him like doing a really camped up, you know, overly effeminate, you know, interpretation. Even though we clearly saw that that girl would is nothing like that. You know, that's what they always do. Um, which you know, because a lot of times you'll have like a female character, and then they switch bodies with a guy, and all of a sudden the guy's acting super fey, which she never acted that way yeah yeah well and, and you know a lot of <laughs> you know. comedy when men dress as women either in drag or like you see these you know tiktok or you know you see these people uh, men who who basically put on a, a bad wig and the joke is actually just the femininity and like that's that's incredibly cheap crummy humor and so i really was thinking i was going to see that and there were little moments here and there but um for the most part um it was, I wouldn't call it a subtle performance, but it was really rewarding. Like every moment Vince Vaughn's on screen is, he's pretty, he did a great job. I really didn't think he could have done as good a job as he did. So I guess, yeah, he's a yeah he is, I think he is like six foot five or something. So, yeah. yeah. Well, especially that, that, that one, uh, the one bitchy girl that he puts in Riley the freezer. Or whatever. Yeah. With, yeah. Which by the way, what school has know, one of school. those? The, and you noticed the cafeteria was pretty amazing. It was like pretty posh. So we, we were yeah. laughing about that too. Yeah. The, I was like, what? What um, is that? <coughs> so, um, I, I was, I actually was uh, hoping that there would have been a scene with Vaughn and her. Cause she looked like she was like four ten. Yeah. I don't know. She was tiny next to even the other, uh, the, the, the heroine who is, you know, like five, four or something like that. And she was like a whole head shorter. Right. Yeah. And, um, that was another thing is the snappy teen dialogue towards the beginning of the film was a little like, I, again, we've talked about this, Tim, when we like a movie, we pick it apart more. And um, I feel like the, the screenwriting could have used, we could have used a woman or two on the screenwriting team and we could have used younger because I have kids this age, you know, I have a 16 and 18 year old and they don't, they don't, I feel like the, the way that the that my, my Millie and her friends were written was a little um, I don't even know how to put it I don't know it just was a little dated and it was a little bit old like like they needed younger writing talent I think um, well I think I think they were kind of trying to go for the stereotypical team in the first yeah you, you know kind of like as I a trope I think in the cold open they were and they did that perfectly and at the point where they shift to where Millie and her friends are walking they still had that stereotypical teen movie banter and I really would have appreciated especially given how the film went into more like nuance 
I just think they needed a bit more variety in the writing team. I believe the two writers are both um, gay men, and I think that that like brought something, mm. a good thing to the film. But I just think, uh, it's like I love the film so much, and I just wanted it to be just like 12% better. But it was, it was so much fun. I can't wait to watch it again. Yeah, me too, actually. Uh, so what would you give this? I'd give 10? it an 8.5 because it, set, it delivers on the horror comedy excellent. Yeah, I, I, I give it a nine. I really, it's not perfect, but it's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty damn good. Uh, so let's move on to our next film. Uh, in the distant future, space hunter Wolf has it easy. Collect space junk and sell it for salvage. When an alert comes through offering 3,000 mega credits for the rescue of three women who have crashed on Terra 11, Wolf and his companion Chalmers decide to go for that quick buck. After acquiring a young scav named Nikki, they learn that they're going to have to take on the evil Overdog and his Hoses of Doom. There's zoners, scavs, scramblers, and Amazons galore, and lots of cheap 3D effects that will leave you wondering why in the world are you still watching Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. Yeah. Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. Starring Peter Strauss as Wolf, an intergalactic adventurer, and Molly Ringwald as Nikki. The hell are you? What do you think I am, you scrawny earthbag? I'm a woman! Together, they must enter the deadly forbidden zone. <laughs> and rescue three beautiful women from the planet's ultimate evil, the Overdog. I like her. <laughs> Works every time. I'll bet breeding with us would kill him. I'll take that bet. Columbia Pictures presents an adventure unlike anything you've ever witnessed before. A whole new dimension in excitement. The ultimate experience. The first movie that puts you in outer space. Space Hunter. Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. Okay, now, (laughs) I forgot that this thing was originally in 3d mm-hmm. when it first came out it was right around that time when there was a bunch of early 80s 3d movies like um was it coming at you was one of them uh this one uh the treasure of the four crowns uh there was a bunch of these and they all for the most part oh and also of course friday the 13th part three in 3d um they all had that same uh, kind of crappy 3D. It just didn't look that great. Uh, and then when you see it in a 2D presentation like we watched, it looks really bad. <laughs> Even worse. Um, so my thing with this movie is it it feels like it doesn't know what it wants to be. I'm not going to say I was bored because I wasn't. It was just... A bunch of of situations strung together in some semblance of a plot to get from A to B, and it. I don't know. I I think that there was like this. Okay, let's take like the the set design. Some of them looked really mm-hmm. cool, and it makes you wonder: Did they just not? Uh, 
know how to allocate the funds properly because this was a decent budgeted film actually I mean, for the time it was 14 million dollars which you know was a pretty decent pretty decent budget back then um for 1983 and uh i think the thing that drives me the nuts the most is how uh Peter Strauss, it's so obvious he's trying so hard to be Harrison Ford in, in Star Wars. <laughs> his, his, his voice and everything he's doing, he's really trying to be Han Solo. So, you know, this film really bent time for me because it's an hour and a half long, but I swear to God, I was camped out in front of my laptop for four miserable hours. <laughs> I, I, I invited Ellie to watch with me, our mutual friend Ellie, and um, I yes. genuinely felt bad. and. <laughs> like holy shit like she has like four kids under the age of seven she's a busy woman and i'm like want to watch a fun movie with me and then i'm like oh my gosh like it was a slog and um is she still she speaking is you? and um i'm just like shit like i just need to vet what i because it was uh, the the problem with the film is it's too boring it's the the sets were great um they were corny but they were still really great the some of the costumes are pretty cool uh, it definitely was trying to copy um, Harrison Ford. He even had a little stripe down his little pants. And, um, yeah. you know, Ernie Hudson shows up in his Winston Ghostbusters jumpsuit and uh, doesn't doesn't yeah. deliver much either. Like, there's nothing in this film that is compelling. I was all like, oh, I get to see Michael Ironsides, but he's not really got much going on. They, they figured he wasn't ugly enough, so they put makeup on him. And I'm like, okay. So... I kept looking at it and saying, is that Michael Ironside? It took a while for me to really realize that it yeah, was Yeah, I could tell because of his eyes, but I was like, I feel like I was, because ex- he's kind of an iconic character actor, and I think the makeup, the makeup yeah. set back his menace. You know, he looked like a, like a Muppet. I don't know. So, <clears throat> well, he had all those, th- okay, let me ask you, what was, he, what was happening because remember he had okay he's he's this character to to paint the picture for people who haven't seen it he's in the, he's in like a glass bubble and he has all of these hoses coming off of him like uh, a low rent doctor octopus and he's a white 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 skin with a bald head and he's got fangs kind of like and a Baron whatever Harkonnen type of villain yeah, and so he's always like, oh, bring the women to me, and they bring these women in, and then what does he do exactly? Does he, is he sucking their life force? What's happening there? I never really understood what was, was going on. It was some kind of sexual slavery, but the film wasn't going to spell it out, because I don't know what rating it was, but it was not a rated R film. Yeah, and I, um, so, you know, it wasn't quite wholesome enough to be a children's space adventure because they were sort of menacing um, these three women that were going to be sexual slaves of some sort. But it also wasn't, uh, it wasn't gritty enough to be a grown-up movie. Like, I think the only um, good guy that dies is towards the beginning, the robot, uh, the fembot, uh, Chalmers right. or whatever. Chalmers, yeah. So it wasn't... Um, like you said, it, like it didn't know what it wanted to be. And, and I just want to say, like, you know, you said the film was, what, $14 million? Yeah. Yeah. And we, yeah. Phoenix and I had just watched Mad Max 2, which I think was made for under $5 million. And And yeah. I, I would be surprised if, if um, Space Hunter wasn't also co-opting from uh, the Mad Max genre. I, I, yeah. Oh, sure. It's definitely yeah. got that look to a lot. Any of the stuff on right. the surface. 
of the planet. Um, I, I, I think when I was watching this film, the thing going through my head the whole time was, who is this yeah. for? Because it's not a rollicking adventure like Star Wars where the kids are like, yay, I'm going to get my lightsaber and go play out in the yard and whatever, and, like Han Solo. and uh, it could, Because it's got these really dark moments where, like, like you said, there's implied rape. Um, or a threat of rape. Um, there's the there's a whole part where they go into this tunnel of water, uh, dark water with vines and stuff, and these creepy uh, women that come up out of the water and they drag Molly Ringwald down into the water and keep trying to drown her. Um, and, and of course, you know Michael Ironside is is, is really weird. <laughs> And, you know, he's got this whole thing like, uh, you know, throw them into the maze. <laughs> and the maze is some bizarre, like, it's like the game Mousetrap. And, and it's, it, it's got blades everywhere that you're going to fall on the blades and die or whatever. And um, I, I, I just, I'm watching it, I can't figure out, is this meant for kids? Yeah. Is it meant for adults? Or or is it just, it, it has that feeling of... of uh, an assembly line corporate uh, plot put together by committee. That's, oh, okay, well, uh, this worked in yeah, Mad yeah, Max, very we'll much put so. that there. This worked in Star Wars, we'll put that in. <laughs> you know. And then, like I joked about earlier, there's these weird, this room they go into, and there's all these holes all over the wall. And these gigantic, uh, they're people, obviously, people in these, these huge rubber <laughs> yeah. costumes that look like right. white poop. And they're all slimy, and they come up, you know. And it, it, and I, that scene alone, I could see if I had been a little kid and seen that, I would have freaked out. Yeah, I mean, it was it, so it had that sort of um, the Odyssey feeling, right? There, he's got a destination. They keep running into these little bad yeah. little islands, so to speak. Um, <clears throat> I agree with you, and I think the film's problem was one of charisma. It had zero. It had zero. They kept having Peter Strauss and yeah. Molly Ringwald. This was supposed to be. Um, heartwarming banter between them and her character was written yeah. as one of the more um, annoying like her voice was like an ice pick in my ear and she was desperate for his validation and attention <laughs> and I asked Ellie I was like are they going for a father-daughter thing or are they going for a gross like autumn spring romance thing because it was never Thank clear you. did that scene at the end the scene at the end where she's like i'm gonna leave you know and she stomps off or whatever does it, 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 am i the only one who is uncomfortable with the, the way whole that thing scene because went? she she repeatedly kind of sexually propositions him yeah she's yeah well she says like why yeah why don't you want to sleep and... with me kind of stuff and then there is a scene where he's like cuddling yeah. her in a way that doesn't look like father-daughter so it was it was very yeah. um, weird. Like I'm not sure what they were going with, and either it was unappealing. Her character was unappealing. He was about as um, charismatic as a piece of white bread, and you know he's a good-looking guy. I don't yeah. I don't know. It's like, it's just like they didn't. It's like the film thought that that the charisma would be in the film, and it wasn't there. It just it wasn't. So, well, I read an interview with Ernie Hudson about this movie and he said that the studio really 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 wanted han solo <laughs> well and um <clears throat> there and he was like you know and and peter strauss is not harrison ford he's a good actor but that's not his forte that's not his area and so they they 
the whole time the director, you know, was trying you know, like, you know, more like Han Solo. <laughs> and it just doesn't work at all. He's cause he's not, uh, you know, Harrison Ford is one of those actors that has a, 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 a real knack with kind of throwaway lines. Uh, it, it, you know, as Indiana Jones, it worked and, you know, and it's Han Solo, it worked, but, um, Poor Peter Strauss. I don't know what they thought casting him in this because he's he gives it. I mean, I guess he gives it his best shot, but I, it's hard to tell. Um, it, it, you almost wonder is like if he had an EKG, would yeah. it be flatlined the entire I, film? And I think uh. you know, I think the Harrison Ford <laughs> phenomenon was mostly luck. You know, I think he's a good-looking guy, and um, he got a couple roles where he's that kind of rascal. I personally don't find him appealing at all, but I know a lot of people have. Um, yeah, I don't. And, um, no, (laughs) but I feel like that that was almost like an accident. You know, um, he, he just had, he had that charisma and I don't think you can manufacture that. And, um, I don't know much about Peter Strauss. I know he was like a television actor more than anything else, but so I don't really know what he's capable Mm -hmm. of, but yeah, I, it just wasn't working out. I mean, Ernie Hudson had a lot more charisma than, than Peter Strauss, but Ernie Hudson has a, a really corny, oh, yeah. he kind of shows up and bails the guy out and they, they banter and then he disappears again. And I just, yeah. Well, he's, he's, he's obviously, you know, this movie's Lando Calrissian, <laughs> right? right? He's like, he's his equally rascally friend, you know, that they, they were buddies in the yeah. old Confederate uh, or the Federation police <laughs> force funny. or whatever. And so they, they, they bust each other's balls because they're good buddies, but they're going to act right. like they're not, you know, and it's like, oh, God. You're so right. <laughs> and, and like, um, that's so, that is exactly what was going on there. I didn't, I didn't even piece it together. It's a, this is a flaccid film. This is not, this is just a hard one to get through because I, you know what, I actually love adventure um, movies. I freaking love yeah. them. And so for me not to like this one, it just tells you it's a little boring and cool sets. I have to say cool sets. For, Lots of sets. Um, I had to laugh at the whole Thunderdome scene. <laughs> Ellie said, yes. okay, so it's a guy versus a car. That just doesn't seem that thrilling. I'm like, yeah, right. Like the car comes in and is going to run the guy over and he jumps into a bed of knives. And it's pretty, pretty, uh, I just think the film overreached. And um, probably some people got fired over this film because I, I don't know. <laughs> like it didn't, <laughs> didn't work out. Yeah, I, I, and, and I'll tell you, the first moment in the movie where I was like, oh, no, I don't know if this is meant for kids. And it was when Chalmers dies, and you're like, oh, clearly Chalmers is supposed to be an, uh, an android right. or something, which we don't know until until she dies. And she doesn't just die, like, okay, shot dead or whatever. Her entire head Well, melts. he does that. Coll- he finds her yeah yeah it like collapses in and like 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 there's like this the metal skeleton underneath is it's like dripping and looking all like gross and it's like what who is that for yeah yeah so yeah she gets killed but then he shows up and he hits a little remote button to melt her and um ellie and yeah. i were laughing about that we're like why did you even bother and i said well who knows what he's made that robot do for him so <laughs> it's like erase, erasing your browser history but um there <laughs> He's yeah, their, their relationship time. is also unclear because uh, it seemed yeah. like there was maybe a romantic component, but then he's something. There was flirting And going also on. the whole yeah. film opens up with him, and it's, he's supposed to look like that space rascal, but he's in this 
he has like these socks on that are like a whole i'm like you know what there's a line between a rough a rough guy that's kind of a hunk and a guy who's an absolute slob and you wouldn't want anything to do with him and unfortunately that opening scene quite clearly established him as a gross like guy but you know he he doesn't have a gross personality at least you know he doesn't slap around molly ring oh no there's a scene no. that's right where he forces her to take a bath that was that was pretty gross. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, where he kept like dunking yeah. her in the water. I forgot about yeah. I forgot about that scene. Um, yeah, no, <clears throat> Peter Strauss, bad Peter Strauss. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I'm really glad that you you guys picked up on the whole uncomfortable <laughs> relationship between him and Molly Ringwald, because that that scene at the end where she like throws a tantrum and like stomps off. He's like, "Where are you going?" Well, I'm gonna leave because you never asked me to be your partner or whatever the line was. And, and but the way she says it, it's like she's like you know, trying to pick up on him or something. And then then uh, they go and they hug, and it yeah, lasts yeah. a little too long. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> As his hands kind of like rubbing up and down her back, you're like, oh, okay, she's supposed to be yeah, 13, dude. I don't let's, know. Let's pull back I don't know on what this. was going on there, but um, <laughs> oh, nothing good. But, you know, <clears throat> I do. I yeah, The only thing uh, I'd have to recommend this probably would be the set design because um, it was pretty fun. Um, but I'm going to have to give this one like a four. It was it was pretty it was a trudge. Yeah, yeah I'm going to give it a three because which I, I, I don't know if I'll be in trouble, but <laughs> It was kind of a stinker room. It was really. I guess, like, I just think we both. I I thought there would be adventure in it, and it like it barely had a pulse. So I was like, all right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, uh, two down and one to go as we head into our word from our sponsor. We'll be right back. Yes, sir, the hot dogs at our concession stand do rate an appreciative whistle. It's one minute till showtime. remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. Settle back now, content, comfortable, well-fed, and ready for some fine entertainment. Is everybody happy? Then let's go. It's showtime. And we're back. Question, what makes a great slasher? Is it well-defined characters, suspenseful scenes, creepy atmosphere? 
well, sure. Unfortunately, this film has none of, none of those things. Uh, what it does have is lots and lots of nudity, male and female, terribly flat voiceover work, lapses in logic, and buckets and buckets of gore. Plus, Barcelona standing in for Boston, Christopher George chomping down on a phallic cigar for 89 minutes, a standard-issue Jalo costume, and to top it all off, Bluto is a groundskeeper who takes his job way too seriously. Sheer madness from beginning to end, you won't notice any of the deficits because you'll be too busy picking up all of the pieces. <laughs> Warning. What you will see in the movie Pieces cannot be revealed, cannot be described, cannot even be imagined. And you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. Pieces. It's exactly what you think it is. Pieces. Absolutely no one under 17 will be admitted. <laughs> so. <clears throat> yeah, uh, because you've one. been trying to get me to watch <laughs> this one. And, I, and I'd seen um, small pieces of it. I had seen bits of it. But um, yes, you've been after me to watch this for a couple of years. And um, so, you know, you've accomplished that goal. You made me watch this film. So I, I, was, I thought it was Italian when I started. And you were like, no, it's Spanish. So I was like, oh, all right. It's got the Italian sleaze for sure. So, yeah. Oh, so, yes. And, of course, I immediately recognized our, our quote, unquote, hero. Um, and I was so excited because, oh, what is his name? Is it Ian Sarah? Um, yeah. He's the Kendall, right? Who is the young, um, suppose, yes. Yeah, yes. so Kendall's Kendall kind James. of the young man who's somewhat involved in this mystery, the slasher, Jalo-style mystery. And um, I recognize him immediately from uh, Pod People, wasn't it? Wasn't that the name of it? Yes. Yes. Um, it stinks. it stinks. So I was, I was like, hee, hee, hee. And then, of course, you were like, <laughs> you already knew that. And I was like, oh, damn. But he, yeah, I recognize him from that. But both films seem to think he's kind of this uh, charismatic hunk, and I'm not quite sure where they got that from. Um, yeah. So well. I've been trying to figure out why this film has such a cult following. Really? Yeah, I mean, like apparently really? it's like Eli Roth's favorite old slasher. Well, I mean, if you're into bad movies, I guess. <clears throat> but I mean, it's not. It's not Look, like it's, it's no sleepaway uh, camp. I mean, you know. It's, it's no, it's not. <laughs> um, what, what I know watching it, it, it it's it's a masterpiece of ineptness. <clears throat> uh, the the scene where the woman's killed on the yeah. waterbed, uh, you you literally get to watch the uh, butcher knife bounce off of the side of her head because it bends. <laughs> it's yeah, plastic. they could have just cut the film um, <laughs> half a second yeah. earlier and and. Because right after he supposedly stabs her in the back of the head, which I think is pretty hard to do, but um, right, then the, the, it shows the knife yes. emerging from her mouth. And I'm like, why didn't you cut right. that half a second earlier? Because you see this rubber knife bend. It's very obvious, right? Yeah. Well, there was some pretty yes. good stylish gore in this, though. There was. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. gore is great, actually. Like, um, I, I always love how women are written to where they hold still. Well... It's like, okay, I see that you're going to cut oh, my head yes. off with that chainsaw, and I'm just going to stand here and, like, wait. <laughs> you know? Well, yes. The, the, uh, the girl in the pool. That, that was the uh, funniest We talked about kill. this earlier. 
Yes, because it's like, okay, she's she's out in the pool, and all of a sudden, the long net, you know, with the net with the long handle goes over her head and pulls her towards uh, the side of the pool. Now, all she has to do is just go yeah, under the damn Yeah, that was hilarious. Net. Those things. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, like, as if you'd have, yeah. And he pulls her up. And she lays there and acts like she's like some like a uh, you know like a bird that's like run into your sliding glass door, and she's like you know dizzy and oh no I'm topless and can't do anything and 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 she just sits there and then she backs up and says how about diving into the water, <laughs> just roll over it's it's like yeah two I, inches I, also, away from I you. like the one the first kill I well the first kill is the mother well that was really well done. Yes. I think that's called the pri- a primal scene in a movie where they we, we're going to watch the psychopath hack up a bunch of women. But first, we have to show this one incident from his childhood, uh, this one incident, and that's what turned him into a, a psychopath. So he's putting together a, a puzzle yes. of a nude woman, and his mother comes in and berates him, and so he hacks her up with an axe. And that was actually pretty well done. I liked that 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 kill. Um, boy, they really thought a lot of that puzzle, though. They must have shown that puzzle. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Maybe the director, I don't, I don't know. I was just like, okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but the first kill after the mother is a young woman who's studying on, in the grass, and she sees the murderer yes. run up with his chainsaw, and she kind of sits up and just kind of supplies her neck and goes, ah, <laughs> like, <"Rrr."> <laughs> so, <Yeah>. a... <laughs> Well, <laughs> Did you notice that when he comes up to her, she's on her stomach, and then he cuts her head off, and they cut to yeah. her, and she's on her back. She ha- she helped she helped him out. She's like, all right. So there's there's a lot of that, and um, the waterbed kill scene was very art you know artsy, and I'm sure that's one of the reasons people like it. But it was really weird because that waterbed was kind of in the middle of the room for no reason. Did and what what's a waterbed doing in exactly. the Exactly, it was a, like a, in a, a weird locker room. It was just weird. It wasn't like someone's yeah. bedroom or anything. <laughs> well, you know, the only the, the best things in the world are smoking pot That's and literally my favorite favorite line of the movie. <laughs> what did she say? I'm going to look it up. Cuz it was best? so it was such a random if someone you'd be like, "Why did you say that just now?" It's because they're going to yeah, it's going to Yeah. And then she goes over to the professor. She's trying to, you know, kind of make him look bad or whatever. She's like, my friends say my pectorals look funny. <laughs> Where are they? And he's like, uh, I'm, I assure yeah, you they're says, fine. The most beautiful thing in the world is smoking pot and fucking on a waterbed at the same time. It's like, thanks for sharing, Sharon. Like, but I also... Yeah. The movie did a great job at having a lot of different guys who could have been. That's the whole jal. That's what jalas do, right? They're like, it could be this creepy guy or this yeah. creepy. So they've got Bluto, the uh, the janitor, which I yeah, he was great. They've got yeah. Kung Fu Professor. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I love that they they're like they're gonna put in an Asian character for maybe a two minute scene, but they chock full so much racist. Yeah. Like I'm like, all right, come on, guys. Yes. <laughs> And who have you? Who's ever heard of Wait, Kung Fu Professor? But, hey, that's like the what was that movie with the I'll meet you on the judo range? Oh my god, Agent from yeah, Agent that actor for just died. That actor just the died. And I was like range. he went to the big judo range in the sky because yeah, it's my it's my Kung Fu Professor. Like that's that's pretty good, Professor. Oh god, yeah. 
Well, in this movie, there's so many problems that just make it just yeah, chef's kiss. It, it's the, <clears throat> the, the opening sequence with the mom. I mean, there, there was a touch tone yeah, yeah. phone, which, as, as we know, did not exist in 1942 or 44 or whatever it's supposed to be. Um, same thing with she's like, you know, get a plastic bag, dummy. Well, there, there weren't plastic bags yet. Um, <laughs> and the, the girl on the skateboard, who ends up being the one who gets beheaded later, she is riding a skateboard for no real reason because it's obvious she has probably never ridden one before. And she's just mm-hmm. like, hi, everybody. Hi. And there's hey. like country music. Like this film had the and weirdest then, music. Yes. Yes, it's it's country music playing, yeah, like a banjo, like you know, and, and she's going down the street, and there's these two guys, you know, you always the stereotypical action movie cliche of the guys with the sheet of glass, you know, that's going to get shattered, and she smashes, supposedly smashes into the glass, but if you watch, she's she's going so slow, she's not even going fast, and she steps off of it at the last second. And then all of a sudden, smash! <laughs> See, this huge thing, which is supposedly the trigger for our killer, that this this glass has gotten shattered. Oh, is shattered. that what that was? Because that was so um, random. Because then she's just fine. Yes. Like, they just cl- they switch, and she's, like, steadying. It was so weird. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's the trigger because they keep showing it, like, the shot of her, his mother smashing the mirror um, before he killed her. And... Um, it, the the fact that this is a Spanish movie set in Boston, it makes it absolutely just sheer gold because this is a guy, the director, uh, Juan Piquer Simon, who's never, ever set foot in America. And so his only interpretation of how college students look, act, and behave right. is from movies. <clears throat> and so, you know... The, the cops in this are great. You know, Christopher Jordan always has that huge cigar in his mouth. And, uh, you know, what what would you do if you're a cop on a murder case? Oh, well, I just randomly pick some guy that was involved in one of the murders and make right. him my student liaison and, and give him all the information on the case and set him up as, a, as an investigator. Uh, and, uh, and by the way, uh, I remember watching, I showed this at the, my movie night at home and all the girls were like really impressed that we did get a, a, a twig and berry shot. Out when? Of, uh, I don't Kendall. remember that. I miss it. <laughs> what? It's when he's looking through the mirror or the, the, the window and he's like, he sees Linda day George, you know, like out with her flashlights right God, before the Kung it. professor moment. Yeah. He gets up out of the bed and it's like, it must be like a five second shot of just swinging dong. Like right there. That was more, um, and, what's the um word? Uh, foreshadowing. <clears throat> Yeah. And uh, so, again, we establish, you know, Kendall is a douche. Uh, in that scene, the way he's talking to the girl yeah, he's yeah. in bed with, do you remember yeah. that? He's like, God, why are you making so much noise? <laughs> I've never heard a guy complain about that. That's a, the, the, that sleaze is why I was like, I just thought I was watching an Italian <laughs> film, but I guess the Spanish do it too. Cause, wasn't that uh, the Blind Dead movies? Uh, yeah. Weren't those Spanish too? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's any of the yeah, like, yeah. stuff. So yeah, like, uh, it has that problem of no one's appealing, and the cops, cops are super <laughs> inept, and 
they put loads of guys in the movie so it could be anyone's the killer that you know but the most evil looking guy is the dean and of course that's who the killer is right i mean he's he looks like a vampire right he looks he's he's creepy looking oh he totally does and he's always sweating um I do have to say the scene at the end when he's revealed as a killer and he looks insane. I think he does yeah. look pretty, pretty yeah. crazy. So when I feel I like he did a decent okay, job again, maybe that. I missed it, but the scene where you realize he's the killer is when he drugs um, the tennis, the tennis player slash private eye. I don't know what <laughs> the tennis pro. Like <laughs> so. Anyway, yes. Marie is her name Maria. I can't remember, but uh, Mary. Yeah. I think it's Mary. Anyway, that yeah, when he yeah, poisons Mary her, Riggs, that's when, yeah. when he drugs her. I think that's the reveal. I think. Um, yeah. Well, he's what making she, her instant she's coffee. She's like, the yes. coffee's fine. I love the cream. Well, this is New England, of course. I was like, what? What is? What is that? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like what? There's so much of that great dialogue of you know, like I said, it's it, it's so clear what they did was they just went directly, yeah, yeah. straight from Spanish. To English without like maybe fiddling with it like, a little bit to Professor make it sound Brown, more natural. Is a homosexual. And I was like, all right. <laughs> like, what? Yes. Like, okay, that's why he's weird. <laughs> like, what? What? Like, there were so many lines that were really random. Just like, what? Yeah. It comes out of nowhere. And he just says it just out of nowhere. And then he's like, well, you know, uh, he. Um, <laughs> How did he put it? He says something about like you know. I think he's right. more upset about like, his affliction than like, I am. Yeah, no one brought it up, but affliction? you, buddy. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, nobody was talking about. Yeah, it. and I have to say, like, I'm like, okay, how would I sum up this? Well, here's a line from Wikipedia: uh, While Mary and Kendall focus on turning off the loudspeaker's music, the killer steals the girl's legs and escapes. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, yeah, that's that's the kind of movie you're watching. Yeah. Um, that's like the summation. Because he's like making a lady, he's making a lady corpse because yeah. of his mom, his mom issues or whatever. Yes, he's, he's like a jigsaw puzzle of human body parts. Um, so <laughs> let's, okay, first of all, you, you, you got to re- revel in the glory of the most famous yeah. scene in the yeah, film, which great. is the bastard scene. Um, and the thing with that is, I think what people have come to the conclusion on that is, that you know, a lot of times <clears throat> when they're filming a scene, they'll just uh, keep doing okay. it over and over again without stopping. Sometimes <laughs> to try and get different inflections, without saying cut. And what people think is that he had her do three different oh, bastards and then yeah. just left them all in. Because if you watch Kendall, he he looks the whole time <clears throat> like he's like, uh, 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 uh. Like he's supposed to say something or do something water, and he doesn't yeah. know what to do and he's just kind of standing there. And it's, it's it, yeah, it's absolutely hysterical. Then, of course, you know, Bluto comes out and they, uh, you know, go find the dead body. And uh, <clears throat> the the ending. OK, so when we the police finally come in, they they capture. Well, they shoot him in the head um, in an incredibly cavalier moment <laughs> where. Where Christopher George shoots uh, shoots uh, Edmund Purdom, our our killer, the Dean, uh, shoots him in the forehead. Right. Just kind of like he whips out the pistol, just bam! Right. It'll never mind the no. fact that Kendall's like right, right there, okay. and he could have hit him, <laughs> but he, he gets him. And so then, when they're about to leave, this body falls out of a secret panel in the cabinet mm-hmm. uh, that's been made up of the different women's body parts. 
Okay. Yeah. So I did. I thought that was it. <laughs> you think that's it? And everybody's like, "Well, yeah." And you're like, "Well, I guess we'll see you down at the station, Kendall. You want to become a cop now?" Oh, I don't know. My heart's beating so fast. And uh, he's like, oh, <laughs> well, we'll see you down there. And, oh, I forgot my jacket. The next thing you know, the stitched together body, a hand comes up, rips through his jeans, grabs his scrotum, and literally mm-hmm. pops his ball. <laughs> it comes flying out. <laughs> so, yeah, I have, I have some and questions. And rapes on him screaming. <laughs> So in case in case you were dozing off, you'll probably wake up at that scene. So yeah, I was trying yes. to explain that scene to Ralph, and I was like, I was like, so that that's fine. Nice yeah, little luck. like the shocker ending. We've seen shocker endings, whatever. But I'm like, why did a corpse come to life? That's like, like there's been nothing supernatural in this film at all. It's just a straight up slasher story, right? And then all of a sudden, it's it's a corpse. It's not a woman who yeah, is, yeah. we think she's dead. Like, it is a corpse stitched together. And it's like, yoink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you that see was, all the horrible the, stitching. That was like, almost yeah. like they had to finish it like that way on a dare or something. Well, it, it almost makes you think like, oh, did the director see Carrie or something? Mm. Like, during the filming, it was like, ooh, ooh I know what we got to do is have the hand come well, up. Well, uh, why didn't they have the Dean do that? The Dean <laughs> jump up and grab and pull his dick off. Because, like, I'm just saying, like, that was just wow. so weird. Because, well, we like, that's a dead body. Yeah. It was 100% dead. Uh, yeah, it's it, um, <clears throat> the first time I saw that film. I, my jaw was just hanging the entire time. Like, what, what's happening? It it, it was so, um, it's very much in that whole vein of, you know, like an Ed Wood kind of a thing where it's, Mm. it's stuff that you can't do badly on purpose. You know no, what it, was, I mean? it was very earnestly made. Somebody was like trying to make a, an effective gotta... horror film or slasher film. Yes, I agree. Yes, yeah, and and there and I think, I mean, it, like we discussed, the the, the gore is really good. It, it's it's top quality gore. It doesn't most of it doesn't look that fake. Everything else, I mean, it's so clumsily staged, and uh, it's a plot for morons because it, it, there's. Anybody else would have figured things out. They're just not motivated. Really quickly, they don't care. These cops. these cops are the, the biggest idiots. Uh, they, they, yeah, they always show up like later. They, you never see them piecing anything together until the very end. We have like the, the sergeants talking to uh, uh, Kendall, and, and he's like, oh, you know what we should do? We should do some background yeah. checks on yeah. all the faculty. Wow, great genius <laughs> you, you couldn't have done that about four victims ago <laughs> you know and um so you get that it, it leads you to a, a great scene where we've already had kind of like a uh, uh scene where you were kind of fooled where you had the 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 aerobics instructor or jazzercise or whatever you know student walking down the halls being stalked but right. then it turns out oh nope she just runs into another girl from the class and then so later when this this, uh, instructor finally gets killed she goes she runs and gets in a service elevator 
and then you see the killer like approach stand there and of course he's wearing the all black like black trench coat black clothes black hat black gloves and you know it doesn't occur to her that he's not saying anything you know she's like oh i oh i didn't know it was you oh i feel so much safer now okay let's take take the elevator and he's got behind him he's holding (laughs) this gigantic chainsaw it's like just like man this is fine (laughs) yeah he must have been doing yard work i don't know you know saving fuel before you get put stuff in it i don't know uh but i mean that scene was just it just remarkable i and uh, i i give this a 10 because it is wonderful entertainment for the entire family and 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 and, and your yeah. pets they should all watch yeah, and enjoy that's, that's, uh, you've been huffing waterbed cinematic this film was a turd the la times and i quote the la times said pieces is a wretched <laughs> stupid little picture whose sole purpose is the exploitation of extreme violence against women I think I think the reason that the film has a cult following is because it no. does have stylish gore, it has a nonsensical plot, it has weird music that and poor dubbing. If the film had been dubbed well, I don't think it would have the because the dubbing is half the comedy and of course the end the ending. I think that ending for horror fans oh, yeah. we just love it, right? So but that said, I, I really found it boring. And so I'm, I'm giving it, yeah, I'm giving it a five. It, I just, and sometimes maybe oh just God. I wasn't in the mood, but I was really struggling through this one. But um, great gore. And if you are a horror or slasher completist, you absolutely have to watch this one, right? Uh, well, that's it for this time. Uh, join us on our next show for reviews of three more films sure to excite your cinematic palette. If you'd like to get a hold of us, and why wouldn't you? We're adorable. You can write to us at moviemorgue1 at att.net. You can also check out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram feeds, plus our website at bbnbs.net. So until next time, remember, with great power comes great responsibility. We'll see you next time. Christmas to a theater near you, the most horrifying film to hit the screen. There's a homicidal maniac who finds a Cub Scout troop, and he hacks up two or three in every scene. Please don't reveal the secret ending to your friends. Don't spoil the big surprise. Trail the hell.
miles. I feel so horny. 